Every week on this show, I dive into the past to bring forth stories that amuse and hopefully educate at the same time. Today, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. History happens all around us every day. When the likes of Diogo Alves and La Custa terrorized the people of Lisbon and Rome respectively, I don't think anyone thought about someone studying their lives as any sort of historical importance. Yet, the past holds a particularly strong hold on both our present and our future. Things that took place hundreds, even thousands of years ago, can filter down through the ages to shape the people around us. I recently had the pleasure to sit down virtually with a woman whose everyday beliefs and practices originated in the long distant past, from places all over the world. She uses those practices to help people, healing them mentally as well as a little physically. Just a few hundred years ago, she would have been burned at the stake. These days, however, being a witch is not the death sentence it once was. I'd like to share our conversation, because in it, she helps to break down some of the preconceived misconceptions regarding real-world witchcraft. Confucius said, Real knowledge is to know the extent of one's ignorance. So help me in welcoming Mrs. Amanda Howerton, as she dispels my own ignorance on the subject of witches. I'm Aiden Maine. Welcome to Haunting Historia. So first off, thank you, Amanda, for joining me on Haunting Historia. It's a real pleasure to have such an interesting person to talk to. Before we get to the meat of the interview, tell me a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, um, I've been a practicing witch for over 20 years now, and uh, the best way to explain to people what I do is I am eclectic solitary practitioner, which means that I don't follow one specific path I take from many, most of which comes from more of my Celtic and native ancestry, but I've also worked with uh, Greek and Egyptian pantheons as well. Okay, fantastic. My biggest thing is I'm, I'm more about healing, shadow work, very much more in line with uh, medicine woman. Okay, that sounds really fascinating. Uh, we'll get into that a little more in depth, but first uh, I'd like to ask... Are you native to Arizona? And if not, how did you end up here? Um, I am native to Arizona. Um, I was born and raised here, but I do have um, native roots, like native ancestors from other states. Okay. Yeah, because I live on the reservation with my husband right now, but this isn't my tribe. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, that is fascinating. So uh, let's start with basics. You explained a little bit about where your beliefs come from, but I personally don't understand much about real world witchcraft. So how would you define 
your practices? Are you Wiccan, a modern pagan, something in between, something like less defined? I would definitely say I categorize myself as a pagan witch. I've actually tried Wiccan for a while. Just wasn't my thing. Wasn't really what I was into. It's more of an organized religion within the witchcraft community. It's nothing bad, nothing bad against Wiccans. I thoroughly enjoy a lot of what they teach, but there were just some things that didn't settle with me. But for me personally, everything comes back to uh, working with ancestors, working with plants, animal spirits. But yeah, I, I am a pagan witch. I have several deities that I personally honor. Um, and not every witch does. There are plenty of atheist witches or even Christian witches. But I personally would identify as a eclectic pagan witch. Okay. That's interesting. So you said something at the beginning of your explanation that kind of hit in my head. You said that you had a problem with Wiccan organization. So with your practices as a pagan witch, what are some of the central tenets or is there any fundamentals that your coven follows? Most of what we do within the coven that I'm a part of is that we are Hecatean witches, which means that we honor and worship the goddess Hecate. And one of our biggest principles is being compassionate, being the people who are here to assist others. We're here to help people go through their shadow work, which is very much psychological work. You're working through trauma, through years of it, even ancestral trauma, things oh. that connected through our DNA throughout the generations. We're going deep into those wounds and we're looking at them and we're saying, how can we break this cycle of trauma and turn it and manifest it into something that is productive for not just us, but generations to come after? Okay. That is fascinating. So how does that work exactly? So you break down the traumas of the past. Is it like a form of therapy? In a way it is. It's tons and tons of meditation, tons of journaling. Um, I mean, just right now I'm looking at a whole stack of my notebooks that I use because I have my gratitude journal. I have my book of shadows, my book of life. I have one for just taking notes, one for my tarot readings. Like you want to take note of everything that you're doing to see what works and what doesn't, as well as Journaling in general to get your feelings out there, any psychologist, any therapist will tell you, journal, daily prompts, something to help you dig deep into those things that you have suppressed to the point that you're not even conscious of how it affects you anymore. And that's what we do with the healing of ourselves, but also those other wounds is we go into meditation or trance and we sometimes unintentionally uncover things that we may have forgotten about from our childhood that now affects us in ways that we could 
we could never have even imagined, you know, things of just being told one little thing as a child, but you've told yourself that same thing repeatedly throughout your life. So now you got to go back in and reprogram and say, no, that was one person saying their opinion and you took it as fact. And now you've made that a part of yourself. So how can you go in and reprogram and come out no longer creating those same cycles of, of trauma for yourself and others? I would love to uh, get into that process a little more, but I'd like to continue to define what it means to be a pagan witch, because I know for myself, it's like I said earlier, I'm not very knowledgeable about what it means. You know, when it, when you say when you say witchcraft, you know, and so and I'm sure there are will be listeners who may or may not feel the same way. You know, so uh, when you th- when you hear the word witch, you think you know Harry Potter or you know other kind of like fantasy things. So first off, you kind of sort of touched on it, but I was wondering, you know, Christians have the Bible. Jewish peoples have the Torah, Muslims, the Quran. Is there a text that lays out the structure of the pagan witch beliefs and practices? So that one, that one's really kind of a complicated question in that sense of, you know, a lot of traditions were quite literally passed down through generations, through word, um, even during a time when we had a, an ability to write, it was still continuously spread through word of mouth, especially after, you know, Christianity came forward and started all of the, all the winch hunts throughout the years. Um, you know, we, you couldn't write it down because you had that fear of if somebody finds it. Right. So a lot of it was passed down through generational uh, word of mouth. But then there's also, um, for specific paths, there's, uh, I know a lot of stuff for anyone who wants to follow more of like hermetic paths. There's tons of books from ancient times for that. And I think a lot of people forget that prior to Christianity, everybody was a pagan. Right. Because pagan is defined as anything outside of the major religions of being Christian, Muslim, or Jewish. So if you're outside of those things, if you're an indigenous person, then you're a pagan. If you're a person who, you know, is agnostic, <laughs> technically <laughs> you could follow or fall under the, the category of pagan. And so it, it's definitely one of those things where it's based off of your path. If you follow a a specific path, you might be able to find old texts, probably ones you'll have to translate for that. For me specifically, the Chaldean Oracle texts about Hecate have been super helpful, but I don't speak or read Greek, so I have to find translations and hope that it was translated properly. (laughs) Um, And that's just kind of how it is with most of them, especially from those traditions that were already kind of small to begin with. I gotcha. So tell us a little about your personal journey, if you don't mind. How did you find 
paganism? Is it something that you grew up with? You said you've been a practicing witch for 20 years. What happened to make you decide that this was how you wanted to live your life? I think a lot of people who claim the title of witch really have this inkling at a very young age. We tend to find ourselves the odd ones out, um, you know, the black sheep or the weirdos. And a lot of us, not all, but a lot of us have that experience of being a child and being in your yard saying, I don't know what exactly I'm doing, but my gut instinct says, if I take these berries and these leaves and these rocks and I put them together, something cool is gonna happen with it. I don't know what, but it's gonna happen, you know? Or my mom wondering, why is all my shampoo and conditioner disappearing and I'm in the shower mixing potions <laughs> with, with all the bath products. Um, and that started very young for me. I was probably around I want to say five or six when I started to notice that I had this innate ability to be able to pick up on other people's emotions. And I didn't know what em empathy was, let alone being empathic. And I just knew that it was more than just seeing somebody cry. It was, I could walk in a room and say, huh something's crazy in here like there is energy that makes me just want to cry and I don't know why and I'm sure that was very confusing for my parents <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know why she's crying she's just yeah um but I also knew that the organized religion because I grew up in a in a Christian family but my mom was never forceful about it she always encouraged us to seek out information about other paths and other spiritual and religious uh, organizations. And I think I was probably seven when I told her that I think I'm a witch. And she said, well, if you think you are, then you are. And she went and bought me my first tarot deck. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, very there, understanding parents. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I do. I do count that as a huge part of my gratitude list because I know too many people who grew up in extremely religious and, and very forceful households with it. So that that is something I can say was a blessing for me to have support from them, especially once I decided. I would say probably early teens, like. 12, 13, when I said, I don't think I want to go to church anymore. I don't, I don't feel anything from it, you know, and I had right, been baptized. Right. I had gone to service plenty of times throughout the years. And other than doing like the community service and the one-on-one -on -one interactions with people right, where I actually right. felt like I was making a difference, that was what called me. And at that point I had already learned about Wiccanism. I had more or less dove into being a Wiccan at that point, and it served its purpose for that time. Again, no no harsh feelings towards it. It's just, it wasn't my calling. Again, I, I tried something just like with Christianity and I didn't feel it. And it wasn't until I would say I was probably about 15 that I really started to look up about 
Celtic traditions because I have a huge amount of uh, Irish Celtic on both sides of my family, but I also have Cherokee on my mother's side and Nez Perce on my father's side. So I looked into Celtic Irish traditions and Native American traditions. And that's where I really started to feel that calling was understanding that the word shaman really resonated with me, medicine woman someone who heals and that's just kind of how it snowballed into what it is today because i i love those things that are part of my actual genetic dna but then i've also developed my own i guess flavor you know being an eclectic witch i've had to really work hard living in the desert right to adapt and figure out how I can't just walk out and be like, oh, I found some birch wood and some hawthorn and ivy. No. <laughs> so I had to learn about, you know, what some of the native cultures out here may have used the creosote for or what they use the mesquite for, as well as spend time with them and actually figure it out for myself and tell, have the plant spirits tell me what they want to be used for. I hear. Well, that is absolutely fascinating i must say as someone who grew up in the midwest you know i've been surrounded by religion my entire life and i can honestly say that i have never met someone who is so to use your word eclectic in the sense that they are just so far off what is considered mainstream and it's, it is fascinating to hear you talk about it. One thought I had was maybe I should better define witchcraft. Yes, please do. Because a lot of people have this misconception that, you know, I can shoot fireballs with my hands. <laughs> and even though that would be amazing and I really wish I could, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the case. You know, I can't wave a wand and then something will happen. The beauty of, of witchcraft or paganism is that it's so specific to each individual person that you can ask 10 witches what they define witchcraft as and you're going to get 12 different answers. <laughs> so for me personally to, I guess, put it in the best definition possible, witchcraft is using knowledge of self and our surroundings to direct energies towards what we want to manifest. You're using plants or crystals or even yourself because you yourself are the greatest power of all. You have all elements within you. You are your greatest power, but you can still use tools and you're using those to say, I want this energy to be directed and focused in on this specific intention. And that's exactly what we're doing with any sort of ritual, spell, ceremony. We're putting everything metaphysically in the sense of energy and saying, here, this is what we wish to manifest and what we are going to manifest. But of course, you still have to do the mundane things to create that manifestation. You still have to, you know, you can't just say, I want abundance and I light a candle so I should get it. No, you you do the ritual, but you also go out and you put in job applications and you work 40 hours a week and you do those things to further the energy you've already put into the universe. 
Okay. That is a very complex, but I believe well-defined answer to at least your definition of witchcraft. And it's interesting that you said that you could ask several different witches, or would warlocks be the proper term for a male? Is it possible for a male to be a witch? Yes, actually. Um, so there's a lot of negative history around the word warlock. For a long time, it was actually considered a term not based off of gender, but more of you were an oath breaker. Mm. So you were considered ah. a warlock. Um, but in the way of like the word witch, it is not gender specific. Gotcha. So that's more of a, a modern misconception. Yes. Okay. That is very interesting to know. Okay. So for your specific version of being a witch, seeing as how it can be so different from person to person, which personally I find that absolutely interesting. You mentioned that your beliefs include things from several different cultures. You mentioned the Celts and the Egyptians as at least two of them. Tell us a little bit about how you include all of that under the same banner, if that makes any sense at all. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so for me, it's part of the beautiful thing I feel about having the opportunity to not just be a witch, but also to have explored so many different religions and cultures is you start to see the interconnectedness between all of us from ancient civilizations to modern civilizations, from religion to religion and so on and so forth. We have so much more in common than we do not. And that for me is where I love finding those connections within the different cultures. So for me, having looked into my, uh, my Celtic Irish traditions, I immediately picked up the, the similarities that a lot of people already know in the sense of the Greeks and the Romans. Everyone has been taught that Romans essentially kind of ripped off the Greeks in the way they did things and like their pantheon of the gods and goddesses. Um, so, you know, you have in this culture, it's Aries, but in this culture, it's Mars. And in this culture, it's, you know, this person right. and that. Right. And we have that same thing of, you know, in one, you have the god Neptune, who then in the other is the god... Poseidon? Yes, thank you. So you have Poseidon, Neptune, but then within the Celtic uh, pantheon, you have Manan and Maglir. And they are all gods of the sea. They all have very similar things. Granted, there are things that are different from each story, each mythology, but essentially you can say, well, it doesn't matter what name you give it. It's the energy, the energy that's behind this thing. That's what I'm trying to connect to. And that's what it is for me being a Hecatean witch and, and worshiping her I see her as an individual, but I also see how she has more or less throughout the centuries just kind of slipped into different cultures under different names. And it 
it's really interesting once you find that interconnectedness how again names at that point don't matter it's what energy you're connecting to well this has been a truly interesting conversation and i personally would look forward to additional conversations but i am gonna have to go ahead and draw a line somewhere otherwise this will go on forever and i want to keep this particular series as a short form so that Episodes are bite-sized, people can listen to them at their leisure, and they don't have to focus an entire hour to a particular conversation. But this has been fascinating. Yeah, and um, before we go, I just wanted to say that anyone who is new to the craft or is interested in it, I say research as much as possible. Understand that not everything that's written down is, you know, the law. There are ways to create witchcraft within yourself of your own path. You don't have to follow a specific path, but I do want to encourage people that don't go for things that are considered closed practices. Um, so for example, a lot of indigenous cultures, hoodoo, voodoo, santeria, those are all closed traditions. Those are meant for those people. It's just a respectful thing to do. You'd never want to disrespect another culture. I mean, if you're invited into it, that's amazing, but please just be... Just be courteous. Yeah, I was gonna say, don't step on anyone's toes, but also uh, I was trying to think of a better way of phrasing it. Um, but yeah, just just be courteous of, of certain religions and closed practices because they were created with a very specific intention and just because the internet says you should try something doesn't mean try it <laughs> <laughs> fair enough all right well thank you again amanda this has been fascinating to talk to you and like i said i look forward to additional conversations we will absolutely invite you back at a later time absolutely this was amazing i appreciate it This episode of Haunting Historia was written and produced by me, Aidan Main, with music by John Bjork and Jamie Norwood. Special thanks to Amanda Howerton for agreeing to come on the show and share her personal journey. If you would like to support her efforts to spread healing, visit her Etsy shop, Goddess of the Desert, for a wide selection of cleansing materials, soaps, crystals, and custom jewelry. This is the second interview I've featured on this podcast. I'd like to start featuring a variety of speakers every month or so to share not only unique perspectives on the world, like that of a pagan witch, but also to help me present interesting stories along with their insight on the topic of the day. If you would like to appear as a guest, or if you have a suggestion for an episode for me to do myself, send me a message via stories at hauntinghistoria.com as well as through the submission form on hauntinghistoria.com. With every episode, a little more of history gets told. History, despite its wrenching pain, cannot be unlived, but if faced with courage, need not be lived again. Maya Angelou